Hey, David, I've got my startup idea. Should I quit my job? Yeah. Thank you so much. That's really helpful. Actually, it's really, I really, I know you're really busy, so I really appreciate you taking the time. Welcome to Bad Startup Advice. The structure of each episode is that the beginning, we're going to make it sound like we know everything and we're going to give you the worst possible advice we can think of. And then we're going to transition and we're going to just give the regular version of advice. Today's episode is focused on whether you should quit your job. So on to the bad advice. So Paul, here I am at Google working right. from 11 to 3 p.m. every day. And Look, like, I just have this itch. Look, so what I always recommend is you should have quit yesterday. The thing about a startup is in order to quit, you don't need an idea. You don't need a co-founder. You don't need money. You don't even need a plan. You just yeah. need to quit. But you have to do more than that too, right? Because you're committing. You need to create the space in your life for brilliance. You got to cut out your girlfriend or your boyfriend. Yeah. You can't, you don't have time for that. And look, they'll get it. You just need to explain. Like, you don't have an idea yet, but you will soon. And they're just taking up too much of and space. And there will come a point in your journey where they can come back into your life. Like you've IPO'd. You can explain that to them. They'll yeah. get it. Just tell them a yeah. way, I don't know, 18 months. 18 months and then you can get back together. It's pretty normal. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to cut off your partner, obviously. You also got to cut off your family. Family family doesn't help in these types of situations. You're going to be fine. If you got a kid, it's not too late to <laughs> put them in the nursery. <laughs> to drop them off. <laughs> yeah, so I, the thing is it takes commitment. So let's talk about what you're clearing out space for. In In one word, it's brilliance. So what I usually do, so you wake up in the morning, you put on your black turtleneck. Right? You do your gratitude journal, you meditate for six hours, right? And then you just sit there and you think. So you're just ideating for at least three months. And at this point, I, I try not to leave the house and I just sit right on the toilet. And that way, if I do have happen to have excrement that isn't brilliance and startup ideas, then it just, I, it's just yeah. super efficient. There's I don't no, have to there's no the interruption of your flow. I like to actually writer to the press release that I will now be starting a billion dollar business and that I cannot be reached that all of my prior friends are just hangers on my family my partner all that and I try to just go ahead and announce to everyone just so that it's clear what's happening I, I would hate for it to turn into a situation where they try to reach out to me yeah and what channel do you prefer so do you use LinkedIn or do you use Twitter for that so all of the above, YouTube and Twitter and TikTok and Instagram. And, but I'll also just travel around the country making speeches because it's old school, but I think there is a magic to handing out your business cards. So my business cards will just say, Paul. Founder. 100X founder. 100X founder. Yeah. Yeah. Idea inbound. Should we transition? Yeah. Cool. Let's talk earnestly. So here's the earnest version of should you quit your job? There's a lot of doubt and self-confidence quandary in your early stage, it's really hard. And so people use quitting as a way to bolster their own confidence, right? It's a way to show that they are committed, right? See, they've quit their job. And it's unfortunate because it doesn't, quitting doesn't really help you <laughs> like with some of the really big, hairy, difficult things. In fact, it makes them a lot harder because now you have a clock, right? Yeah. Maybe we can share our story of how we started Keeper. But let me share my story before you, okay? I was 25. I was at this company called Stride. I had worked there for two and a half years. And so 
I think I did the thing that we devoted all that bad advice to, which is I quit without an idea. I quit without a co-founder and I announced to all of my coworkers and all of my friends oh, that yeah, I was I starting. For- yeah, I actually, I did make a speech to the company. <laughs> <laughs> you did? I did. Yeah. On my departure, I, in my speech, I said, okay, I'm now going to be a founder. And I, <laughs> I well, you think- gave a speech or you wrote an email. No, I gave a speech. It was at an all-hands. Who let you give that speech? (laughs) They gave me the microphone, and I used that time in the spotlight to announce to everyone that I was going to be... Wait, we're no longer the satire part of this podcast. No, this is is what I actually did. I see. Yeah. And let me tell you, David, it felt so good to quit. (laughs) I felt that day, or maybe half of that day leading up to the decision to quit, felt great. Yeah. And then it just went downhill. So here's here's what I did. I started interviewing for jobs right away because I was just scared. I was scared and rightfully so because I didn't have anything. So right away I was already distracted. I just felt the pressure. Every week I've got, I, I, I talked to my parents and every week they were saying, oh, how's it going? Is this turning into something? And every week I had nothing. So how much time did you actually spend, I don't know, coming up with ideas? Yeah, so I probably spent a month and a half. Don't get me wrong, I had an idea. It just wasn't thought out. I had not I had a Google document that was a page and a half long that described how I was going to build up some product analytics thing. Mm. And it's very difficult in that stage to, like if you, you start to meld your own ego with the idea. And so I felt very sensitive when people asked me for details. Mm. I felt like I didn't really wanna, I just didn't have everything figured out. So I didn't really wanna explain it. So I had this Google doc, but it was a little abstract. But yeah, so I was doing that. I even then took a vacation. <laughs> I told myself that I should take a week long vacation because I've been working hard for so long. I was working super hard up until that point. And it was the worst vacation of my life. I went to Mexico city and I sat inside of a hotel room for eight days. And then the other thing I did is I did hustle, right? I did want to start a company, but I realized that I am someone who needs a co-founder. I realized that I just, I don't know, I don't have the mental and emotional fortitude to go off and do this on my own. So I talked to every one of my friends and acquaintances, and I tried to get them to quit their jobs. (laughs) And as it turns out, when it actually comes to getting someone else to uproot their life for you, it's very difficult. And it's one thing to be talking about it and say one day, and it's another thing to say, do it right now, especially when they don't have any investment in it. Right, sure, people, other people in your life might want to be founders, but they don't want to work on your shitty idea. Right, so I was c- caught in between this rock and a hard place where I needed to sound confident like I knew what we were doing, and so I wanted to pitch my idea, and then everyone I was pitching the idea to was like, oh, cool, I don't really want to work on that, let alone quit my job for that. That's also the timing thing. You can't get someone to quit, like, at that exact moment. Yeah, yeah so that was my personal story there. I ended up getting another job. And getting to work on the thing you wanted to work on, which was yeah, that, the amplitude. Actually, that, that is funny how that worked. Yeah, I realized that I had this passion for product analytics, and then I went to work for a product analytics company. And at that point, I got a little smarter, right? So I made a huge fool of myself to everyone I knew, and I felt terrible. I, I had been utterly humiliated, but I feel like I did learn something, and I learned that I will not quit my next job <laughs> until... I actually have some semblance of a plan. And so I did, I went into Amplitude with a commitment to working on the startup and just doing nine to five. So it was the first time ever that I had just, I had a job and I did my job. I didn't go overboard. I didn't like try to get the fastest possible promotion ever. I just did my job 
you felt like you went overboard or you went over the top at the other two? Yeah, so I think coming out of stride, I quit only when I was, I was so exhausted. I was like putting my weekends and my nights into this company, this startup, or my job rather. And so when I quit, it was just like a finally some silence and relief. And I was telling myself that the reason I had to quit was because I couldn't possibly scale back my work at stride. And I actually think that's a common fallacy. I've heard other people say that too. It's, oh, this job I have is taking too much bandwidth, emotional and right, mental right. bandwidth. And the reality is, no, I could have scaled back my hours at Stride and I could have made it work, but I just I felt easier right. to so just- So you quit more out of frustration. burnout almost. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I quit entirely yeah. out of ego and frustration. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So then continuing on the chronology here. So I was at Amplitude for exactly one year, enough to get stock options. Nice. And during that time, David reached out independently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you remember what happened? Not exactly. Uh, I reached out to just, what was the deal? You, I think you said you wanted to, potentially wanted to start a company. Oh. I think you were in the same kind of like ambiguous place that I had been in. But at least now we had a little bit of headway. We both knew that we were maybe interested in this. By the way, you told me that you were potentially interested in starting a company or going to grad school <laughs> I see. or getting a new job. It was one of those three, right? Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. That and, sounds about right. And it was for me too. And I like, the thing is no one like, yeah, I don't know very many people who are just like, this is the only path for me ever, especially these, if you're a whatever ambitious founder type, you're going to have optionalities. But we had this, we had the very seedling of commitment. Yeah. I had finally reached, unlike Paul, I had only been working at one job since college, and I was finally getting rather tired of it. So I, I was definitely itching to, to do something different. So we were both running away from something. Actually, that is true. That's <laughs> undeniable. It's not like we were running towards taxes. This is true. This is yeah. true. It wasn't like we had a dream. Yeah. Uh, candidly, I think a lot of, there's this stigma associated with, oh, you want to be a founder just because, it's not because you love the mission of your company, it's because you just want to be a founder. Yeah. And I think the answer is, yup, that's most people. It's definitely gotten more, I think now that the- uh, That's true. Yeah, it's partially because being a founder is now pretty sexy. Like it is an MBA alternative, I think for some people. Yeah. So. But so I think if you fall into that camp and be honest with yourself, right? If the actual reason you want to start a company is because of like ego stuff and because you hate your job, that's fine. But just <laughs> take it slowly. Don't do what I did basically at Stride. So David, what happened next after we got into got in touch. This was about a year before we actually started Keeper. Yeah. What happened next? We started just working on random stuff. I don't know if you remember this, but for a very short period of time, we were working on my like social media trading app. I do remember. Yeah. I think more than like the fact that that was an actual business or something that we were really, it was a test drive of like our working relationship. We, we actually made some design mocks together. We talked to some folks. Yeah. So by the time we worked on the next thing, we had actually already been in touch like for a couple months, I think. Yeah, so. yeah. And okay, j just for context, David and yeah. I actually are friends since high school. Like we were classmates in high school and we were friends there. So we had a backstory, uh, but that wasn't a professional backstory. Yeah. It's not like we had ever, maybe we had worked on some projects. I don't even think we had in high school, yeah. to be honest. So in some ways, like it's almost worthless. Like being friends with your founder, it's fine, but it's yeah. not exactly like the thing that's going to define your success. Yeah. I think I, it helped me respect your, like I knew David was super smart. I knew like that, sure that helps, but it wasn't that different than I think if we were just coworkers. So let's talk about that phenomenon that happened with us where we worked through four different ideas together all on the side. I think 
that at the very beginning of the journey, all you have is ego and it is going to power you for a little ways and you, it's actually useful fuel. But what those, well, the reason why we had to iterate so many times to get to Keeper was because I do think that part of that ego spills into the way you pick ideas. And there was an element of, this is going to my idea. <laughs> this one's, so David obviously has a background in trading yeah. and I had a background in consumer software. So I think we went back and forth. It was like, now David's idea gets to go. And now, and yeah, yeah. I think we hadn't decided, had we decided who was going to be the CEO and who was like, no, we had to, we were just building stuff, which frankly was actually kind of my goal at that stage too. Yeah. The whole like, oh, is it going to be grad school? Is it going to be a new job? Is it going to be being a founder? I was okay. I'm going to learn how to code like everyone oh, yeah. else. That was my deal. Actually. Right. You were learning how to code. Yeah. But I do think that over the course of those four different startups, we gained humility. And we gained a bit of humility. Nothing's easy. There's no free lunch. I think over time you just, okay, this didn't work. This didn't work. This didn't work. And then by the fourth time, you're like willing to do anything, yeah. which is actually the perfect place to be if you're going to start a company. Cause usually the things that are exciting and fun are bad, terrible ideas. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You start. So for us, we started off just picking random stuff. We yeah. were like, we don't know anything about this. So that's perfect. So let's go with that idea. And yeah. And slowly got the ego kind of pounded out of us. Yeah over time. Let's talk about our schedule. How did we actually do it? We, well, at the beginning, we actually just yeah. had a call basically once a week. At the very beginning. Yeah. Right. Maybe for the first three months. Yeah. And we would just do most of the stuff async. It would just be like, we had a meeting. We'd be like, all right, so this is the current idea. Here's the list of things that we need to do next. Yeah. And we would just do them and then check in over Facebook messenger or whatever. And there was a process here. And I think actually being a process is really important. We, what we needed to do was we needed to de-risk. And it was half of it was de-risking, half of it was like waiting until we were tired of it, basically. But over time, we would do these check-ins every week and one person's job was to build like an MVP and the other person's job was to like, or maybe share a job was yeah. to find people on Craigslist and show it to them and get their feedback. And then after after four weeks, you're like, okay, this is clearly not working. Yeah. No one gives a shit about this idea. Yeah. And that, you're, yeah. yeah. Cool. So the first three months were less committed. And then I think there was this like ratcheting up it's asking someone to be your girlfriend where David and I were both, we had our optionality. David, I think was, you were applying to grad school, yeah, right? Yeah, it yeah. was like taking GRE. Yeah. GRE. yeah. And I was just interviewing yeah. with different companies. Yeah, yeah. Right? At one point you got a job. <laughs> yeah, I, I got an offer at one point, yeah. And so I think we had this moment where we said, okay, let's take this relationship to the next level. And we did have serious commitments. We worked, I worked, I left work at five and I went to this cafe called Workshop Cafe. It's basically a co-working space. Since closed, right? It's Yeah, it's bankrupt. But, and I would go there and I would work till 9 p.m. every day, five to nine, and on one day on the weekend. Yeah. Pretty much all day. And that's, and so we, we weren't on a call the whole time, but we were working the whole time yeah. during those hours. And it's serious commitment. And I was only able to do it because I was able to set my, my job on the back burner. But that, it was like six months of that, yeah. right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was checked out for a long time for work. Funny enough, I was continuing to do well at work, supposedly. Actually, that's really funny. For me, too, I got promoted. Yeah. And I got, like, the Amplitude Award or some stuff. Wait, are you serious? Yeah. No, I was, like, a model employee for some reason. I think it was because I cared less. I got promoted, too. <laughs> <laughs> you remember this? That's how I became head of, like, yeah. analytics and execution. Yeah, I, like, <laughs> this might be a life hack. Yeah, it turns out I cared so much about my job before that that I just was worse at it. Yeah. But, yeah, it's funny that happened. Uh, some of my best like career highlights happened during that check down. Oh, I mean, me too. That's actually what's insane. Yeah.
Uh, yeah, so we were we had six months of real diligence, and you're holding each other accountable. And and I, I was dating my pasta, my wife at that time, and I did have that conversation with her about listen, I'm going to do this every day, and we're going to see each other on Sundays, and that's what we did. So let's talk about the final. So let's talk about Keeper, how that actually started. So we had gone through three ideas, and I think we were pretty frustrated at that point, right? We were. Like, how did, do you remember how you felt at that point? Yeah, I was, yeah. It was basically, this was right after we had done the H1B and we kind of had called it off and we yeah. kind of had nothing, we had no path forward. It wasn't like we had this long stack of like, all right, we're definitely going to try yeah. X, Y, and Z. We were like, just like, all right. I think that we were at the perfect state of willing to do the <laughs> thing that is obviously what we should have done. The thing that we actually had some expertise in. But from the beginning, I was like, so basically, okay, the context here is Keeper is a tax app for freelancers. Right. And I happened to have expertise in that because I worked at Stride. I had basically built a, a simple a product for a similar audience at that company. And from the beginning, I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. That's that's boring. That's hard. But then over time, like by the time we were at, at our fourth idea, I was like, okay, you know what? I like maybe we do something that's not that sexy. Maybe we do the thing that like we actually kind of know something about. So we came up with this idea to automate expense tracking. That was basically the concept is if you're a freelancer in the US, you have to track expenses and that process is laborious. And we thought, okay, let's try to solve that problem. And we actually came out of the gate with an idea. We didn't really start with like blank slate, let's go yeah. talk to users because I had already- You, we very early on, you had the concept of let's just text them yeah. every day. Yeah. I think I was inspired by Digit. Remember that? Yeah. The, the like savings, automatic savings. That company's still around. I they, think they are around. They text but... you every day with a different greeting from like 400 different languages. Bonjour, you yeah. saved four cents today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that was the inspiration. And then it was like applied to the space that we uniquely had, knew something about. And the I other had... brilliant part of the texting thing was that it actually was somewhat easy to build the MVP. Yeah, yeah. Like building an app would have been much more difficult yeah for and, us and i guess time. here's some advice is if your mvp requires building an app don't try don't do it and try to try to find some creative way because it's just so much work to so it takes so long to actually build something so yeah. try to find a way to not do that in our case the idea for the product was connect your bank account using plaid and then then our magical software will automatically identify tax write-offs among your expenses and the interface would be text message. So you wouldn't even have to like do anything. You just reply yes or no to a text. And the beauty of that idea is that all of the hard stuff we could just do manually, right? So we, all we built was a, it was a website with a button that connected to Plaid. And then David and I would just look at your expenses every day and text you. In the beginning, it was just, we created a Google voice number. I, in fact, I'm sure we created a Google voice number think, yeah. and if you just, Every day we would just text you. And I remember it was really, I think all we were trying to de-risk at that point really was- Would anyone reply? <laughs> would anyone reply? Yeah. And second of all, is it even possible to look at someone's purchase transaction history and decide that something was a tax deductible business expense? Is that even like something you can do? Where did we get these users, David? Craigslist. Oh, oh that's right. Yeah. So we, okay. Yeah. So we, we ran, should we even be saying this? We ran these fake ads. Oh yeah. We, we figured out, we hacked Craigslist. We posted in the job section of Craigslist. So basically someone who's looking for a gig and instead of a gig, there's tax software. It was tax software. We said, Hey, we will pay you 20 bucks or something to connect your bank account to our <laughs> like 
super sketchy website. And it's amazing what people will do, honestly. So we just, we would hop on a quick call. We would confirm that we're like real people and smile and wave. And I guess that conveyed enough trust for people to link their bank accounts to us. We had some, like those first 12 users were real people. That's they were real people, yeah. And it was nice that it wasn't friends and family. Because I think the hard thing with friends and family as users is they're not really going to be honest with you. Yeah. So yeah, these were just random people we found on Craigslist. So we had our 12 users and that was it. We also had to spend like at least 30, 40 minutes a day texting them. <laughs> right, yeah. And that 30, 40 minutes a day turned into three, four hours towards yeah, until we actually automated things. Yeah. yeah, so we would do that every day. And then, and that's what we applied to YC with, right? It was yeah. just, we have 12 users and... The retention is 95% or whatever, right. 11 out of 12. I don't even retention. think, I don't think we had to give retention numbers. It was to bullshit. Point. Yeah, yeah. But, but I guess we, I don't know. I think YC probably, that's probably what they're sniffing for is, did you actually try it? Yeah. <laughs> and we passed that sniff test. I think know. we had good, yeah. So we applied to YC and we got the interview. And I think if I had to guess, I think we had good foundry chemistry. Yeah. recognize that we had known each other for a while. Yeah. We did actually build an MVP and could talk credibly about a couple of early users, it wasn't all yeah. made up. But we basically, at this whole time during applying to YC for six months where we worked from five to nine every day, this whole time we were employed. Yeah. And I think we had started to make plans for, for quitting. You had your end of year bonus. Yeah, that's right. So, so, <laughs> so David did, we had to wait for David to get paid. But I think I had, it was one of those commitment things. I had said, I will quit Yeah. no matter what. Yeah. And thankfully we, we got into YC and we got some funding, but uh, yeah, it was a long time before we actually quit our jobs. It's probably like a whole, it was close to a year. A year. Yeah. 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 And it probably would have been longer if we hadn't. If we hadn't gone to YC, we would have dragged out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was a year, but it wasn't a year of, oh, let's like joke about it and talk about it. It was a year of working pretty intense hours. Maybe the yeah. most I've ever worked. Yeah. yeah. Um, Those first 2018, 2019 were both pretty tough years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I mean by the rage is useful. If you channel that ego and rage into just working really hard, I think that's a good way to get started. <laughs> I think a lot of founders have a chip on their shoulder or yeah. some reason that they feel the need to, to do go this on yeah. ridiculously difficult totally. journey. Yeah, totally. So just channel that and, you, and into something like kind of productive because it's not going to last forever. So in our case, David and I were in different parts of the country. David was in Chicago, I was in San Francisco. It was a big deal for you to move. Yeah. Um, and in keeping with our pet startup advice, I basically did abandon my girlfriend because she was in Chicago uh, or Roxy. Yeah. I moved to San Francisco and then we had to do this long distance thing where we'd have to fly to each other every three weeks. Yeah, but you're still together. So. That's true. So yeah, obviously the best time to quit is when you have funding, you have your co-founder, you have your idea. You have an MVP. You have an MVP. You have some proof that it's working. That's the best time to quit. <laughs> but if you can't do that, then keep trying. <laughs> I mean, maybe, I mean, that might, like, okay. I also know a lot of people who quit and then figured it all out, but it, boy, is it hard. I mean, those people like they're troopers.